to heart. Amen. Well, amen indeed. We gather here together today to worship the risen Savior, to celebrate the risen King, to celebrate Jesus, and He has risen. He has risen indeed. Thank you for tuning in with us this morning, and thank you for interacting with us today. If you're tuning in, watching via Facebook or via YouTube and from a computer or in a way which you can comment, I appreciate you commenting. Let me know. Let us know that you're here. Let people who are watching with you see that you are interacting and you're not just sitting there while you cook your breakfast. You're not just sitting there um, not paying attention, but you are worshiping with us. So that can start right now by commenting, if you're able to, with a good morning. Or right now, as I say, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you very much. You can comment. You can type, he has risen or he is risen indeed. Let's let everybody know that you are worshiping with us in spirit and in truth. And even though we cannot be here physically together today, we are worshiping together nonetheless because Jesus Christ, the gospel, the Holy Spirit, God connects all of us together all throughout the world. And isn't it kind of an amazing thought to even think about that? All over the world today, people are worshiping the risen Savior. All over the world today, people are worshiping Jesus. Amen. That is amazing. Let it be so. So today we're going to be talking about what the resurrection means for you today and the hope that it brings to everyone who believes. The grave is defeated and Jesus is risen from that grave. I wanna start from re with reading from Luke chapter 24, verses one through eight. We're not actually gonna stay at this scripture. We're gonna land on a different scripture um, out of John 11 later. But I wanna start with just reading the story from one of the gospels from Luke Chapter 24, I'll have it on the screen here behind me, or they might even put it nice and big on your screen so that you can read it clearly, but let's read together. I'll read to you, you can follow along. Luke 24, starting at verse 1, on the first day of the week, Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. These women, these ladies, these people, they went to the tomb as if they thought Jesus was there, as if they thought Jesus was still dead. But listen on. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. What a surprise. Can you imagine their surprise as they go in thinking he's there? I mean, they go in with anointing spices, thinking they're preparing this body for death, for burial, for all of eternity. But what they find is the tomb is empty. Let's read on. While they are wondering, or some translations say, while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men, angels in clothes that were dazzling like lightning, stood beside them. Verse 5. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Listen to that. The angels, they recognize that he is dead. They, they, they did, I'm sorry, he had died. 
So any claims that people have of, well, maybe, maybe Egypt didn't really die. Maybe Egypt walked off. No, the angels of God, they recognized he did die. But they said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. We too remember his words today. We too celebrate that he is risen. He is risen indeed. There's one of those times you can comment, let us know you're with us. Now take this moment to say, I know that churches all over the world are celebrating this today. People all over the world are on Facebook and YouTube today watching many thousands, hundreds of thousands of videos so if we get cut out, if there's any type of technology problems, we will post this to our Facebook and YouTube account later, and we'll email you to let you know. So I hope we don't have any problems with our recording or streaming, but if at any time it, it goes out, I, I just encourage you to stay tuned in, close out your stuff, reopen it, see if it comes back, and we will continue worshiping the risen king. That's what we're here to celebrate today. We celebrate the risen king, and in a lot of ways, we celebrate Jesus today more like the early Christians who also would gather together huddled in their homes to protect themselves from an outside threat. We gather today like them to read and remember the true story of Jesus Christ, defeating death, defeating hell, defeating the tomb, defeating sin we find that we have a little more in common with the early Christians than what maybe you ever thought or, or that you ever imagined as we bring our faith into our homes and our families and away from the extra stuff that Easter has become. But still, I know that this Easter or this Resurrection Sunday, as I like to say, is feeling very different to you. As a preacher, this Resurrection Sunday feels very different to me as well. You see, there's no big Easter brunch plans today. There's no big gathering of friends and family. There's no Easter cantata, no children's programs. There's no big games scheduled on TV today. And for a preacher, I preach to a nearly empty room, but I thank those that are here with me today, those essential people to help us make this come to you into your homes today. Maybe all of this stuff though, maybe how Easter is different this year, maybe how Resurrection Sunday is different, maybe it puts you out of sorts a little bit. Maybe it frustrates you. Maybe it depresses you or makes you sad as you're not able to get to, out of your homes to see your friends, your family, your relatives, to go to that big party, that big reunion, that big brunch. Maybe you find yourself mad at the government officials for forcing you into your homes. Maybe you find yourself mad at the virus, the pandemic, or you see, we all struggle with something different. Maybe you find yourself mad at God. I understand these frustrations, but I want to encourage you that so does God. God understands where you're coming from, and you're not the first one to be mad at God you're not the first ones to be frustrated. You're not the first ones to be upset, depressed, or out of sorts. And you know what I'm going to tell you now? It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be angry. 
It's okay to be out of sorts, but what we must be careful is that in all of these things, we do not sin. In our frustrations, our sadness, our anger, we do not sin. We must be careful that we still look to God's goodness that will come to be. We must be careful to repent of our sins too when we do realize that these things have taken over our thoughts instead of the God that we worship being the one that should take over. Today's sermon is not about anger, but I do want us to start here because here's something for you to see. God understands our anger at this virus more than anything we can even imagine. Let me give you this thought. God sent his son, Jesus, into the world to save us from a virus. But this virus was not called Ebola. This virus was not called the Spanish flu. This virus was not called COVID or COVID-19, depending on how you say it. This virus was called sin. In fact, this entire week that we just got done celebrating or we're wrapping up here with Palm Sunday last week and Monday Thursday and Good Friday, and yes, even yesterday, which maybe some of you didn't even realize you were celebrating, of Silent Saturday. And now today, as we celebrate the risen King on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, this entire week has been celebrating what Jesus did for you for us, for me, to save us from this virus called sin. God understands this virus. God understands our pain. God understands our anger. God understands our frustration and our depression, our sadness, whatever you're struggling with, God understands. Jesus has gone through these things. Today, as we recognize Jesus' resurrection from death and the grave, Victory over death and sin for us. We see what God did out of anger against sin and love for us. God hated sin. He hated our virus so much. He was so angry at our sinful ways that he sent Jesus for us. The son of God came in the flesh, born of a virgin Mary, lived this life, a perfect, blemishless, sinless life so that he might die for you and take upon himself the wrath of God. That's Good Friday, guys. He took upon God's wrath for you on the cross, took upon himself sin so that we might be saved. He gave us Jesus. Jesus' life shows us the way we ought to live. Jesus' death and resurrection shows us that we are able to live. And because of the resurrection, we have an example for life ourselves of humility and self-sacrifice for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for people of the world, and for God. He lived and gave us instructions for life, both before his death, during his life, in his death, his persecution, his suffering, In his death and after his death and in the resurrection, we have instructions for everyday living. And one of these things we see is how to deal with our anger. Again, not focused on anger today, but this transitions us well to the cross. I mean, this is talking about Holy Week. This is talking about why Jesus came. Even Jesus was angered, depressed, frustrated. But in these things, he did not sin. In these things, he looked to the will of God, not the world. We must also look to honor God and his will during our frustrations, our sadness, 
our anger. When we're out of sorts and we don't know what to do, that's actually good. That's good, guys. It's good when we don't know what to do. It's good when we don't feel in control because it makes us focus on the one that is in control. We need to look beyond ourselves and look to God. Look to the Holy Spirit, which is in in us to empower us. Look to the Holy Spirit and look to God and look to the risen Savior, for he is risen. Risen indeed. Thank you very much. And, And as Mona pointed out to you during announcements this morning, because he is risen, we have this thing that brings us all together. We have this power of life. And we'll get more into that in a moment. But last week, we talked about Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But we stopped short of discussing what happened that week he was there. You know, between the riding in on a donkey's colt and them celebrating him, screaming out, Hosanna, 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 save us, save us, save us. Between that and then what we talked about Good Friday, betrayal, being arrested, being persecuted, suffering, whipped, flogged, and put on a cross to die. After arriving into Jerusalem, Jesus came into the city, and you know what he did? He flipped the tables of the money changers in the temple. Jesus got mad. Jesus got angry, but it wasn't mad at God. You know what he was mad about? Jesus was mad at our virus. He was mad at our sin. He was mad at our sinful ways and what we had become. And scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That scripture is talking about upon the cross, he took on himself our sin. Up until that time, Jesus had never sinned. Even in the cross, he didn't sin. He took on himself our sin. So I'm trying to tell you that in this anger, in this, in this frustration that he had, he did not sin. It was righteous anger. The only sin that ever came upon his life was in his death, and that was our sin. 1 Peter 2.24 says he took upon himself the sin of the world so that we might be seen as righteous. Jesus had righteous anger at a virus called sin, and in Matthew 21.12, we see this scene. He was angered by us, by those people the money changers, our actions, our sinful ways, what we had made it all about. And I think even now as I preach to you that sometimes in the church today, we make things about about things that are not Jesus. We put so much emphasis on programs and they can be good. I'm not trying to preach against what we're doing, but we need to make sure that our main focus is Christ. Honoring and glorifying him and looking for his will above our own. But here's the closing thought with this anger scene. Jesus was angered. He did not sin. He was angered at sin. But you know what I just find so amazing? Jesus still went to the cross. Jesus still looked to God's will and not his own, not ours. He didn't look for the world to the world for instruction. He didn't look to the mystical to Mother Nature or the, what's happening around him to try and guide him, like some of us do. Some of us would say, oh, look how the world's treating me. They don't deserve me, so I'm just going to turn around and leave. Jesus looked beyond himself. 
and looked to the will of God. He looked to his mission. He looked at what he was there to battle, and he was there to battle to go to war against sin, and he would push on. Each day that week, he would go into the city, and he would push on to his mission to the end of the week to go to that cross. And today, because of all that, we celebrate together that he has risen. And I hope you can see the excitement in my voice. It's a little different than Good Friday. Today, we are celebrating that he has risen. Let me read some more scripture to you as we start to get into the meat of the message. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, If Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile, and we are still sinners. But you know what? He has risen And in 1 Thessalonians 4.14, it follows that up greatly where it says, since Jesus died and rose again, God will most definitely also rise those who die in him. Are you in Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you living for him? Are you dying for him? Are you rising with him because he has risen? And because he has risen, we have a promise of hope, a promise of a future. And as we get into the meat of today's message, we're going to be in the rest, for the rest time into John chapter 11, verse 25 to 26. And as we, as we look to this scripture, I want you to see four concepts, but then about 10 different little bonus things for you to take notes of. I said take notes, yes. And, and you can cheat too. If you don't have a pen with you, a piece of paper, you can just watch this again later. You can take notes then. If you miss some things, you can go back later and check then. And if you notice I forgot to tell you one, you can call me and I'll fill in the blank for you. But here's what I want you to see from this this scripture. As we get into the meat of the message, we're going to talk about the person. And the person is Jesus. We're going to talk about the plan that he gives us. We're going to talk about the promise and the power that he bring, that this resurrection brings us. And we're going to talk about the choice. The choice. Four things. You see, the resurrection is the key to our faith. And in John chapter 11, verse 25 to 26, we read this. I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, by the way, I should have told you, I did not put any more notes on the board for you on the PowerPoint screen. This is all you get, so you kind of got to take notes. And bonus points if you send me some pictures of your notes later on. But let me read. Jesus says in John eleven twenty five to 26, and the scene is actually before his resurrection. The scene is Jesus talking to Martha at Lazarus' death. And Martha's basically saying, If only you were here sooner. But Jesus tells her, do you not know who I am? And Jesus tells her, I am, one of the I am statements, I am the resurrection and the life. Notice um, notice the point that he puts there is the, the focus isn't on the resurrection, the event. The focus is on him. He is the resurrection. He is the power. He is the hope. He is the life. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Notice the present tense there. He's not talking about future. He's not saying you have the possibility to live sometime in the future. He's saying 
You can live now. I am the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? So again, we're talking about four things and we're gonna start with Jesus the person. Our hope is not in the resurrection as an event as much as we celebrate that and it is to be celebrated. What we ultimately celebrate is that the resurrection, the power, the hope, the life is found in Jesus himself because as he tells you here, Jesus is, I am the resurrection. Jesus says this, Jesus Jesus prophesies this and foresees this and tells his, his, tells his followers this several times, many times. On the third day, I will rise. I will resurrect the temple. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And I want you to see what this resurrection means for you today. So we're going to have several scriptures today for you to note. We're also going to have several statements for you to note down and just ponder throughout the week. To be exact, and you have to take notes fast as I talk, but you can turn back later to the video. These statements, there's going to be about 10 of them. So again, we got four points. Jesus, the person. Jesus, the plan that he gives us. The promise and the power that he gives and the choice. But then we're going to have 10, count 10, statements for you to write down and ponder. Now, actually, you're going to have a few bonus statements because I already said one. You can turn back later and try and find it. And there's a few I didn't highlight in my notes, but as I studied, I found them. Starting with number one. That's going to help you listen up. Starting with the first statement I want you to write down, I want you to think about is this. Because of the resurrection, comma, because of the resurrection, we have hope. Because of the resurrection, we have hope. Hope to be saved through a Savior. So all of these 10 statements plus the bonuses are going to start out with because of the resurrection. And this one, because of the resurrection, we have hope. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But you know what? I think that a lot of people in this world, including myself, including us at certain times, depending on what it is, we want to live as if, Jesus came as if God's word is there to condemn us, not to save us. We want to live as if God's word are just a set of rules, and we don't like rules. We, we feel like God's just trying to take away our freedom of choice, our freedom to do what we want. And we fail to recognize that these are in place to prevent us from being into bondage, to help give us freedom through the grace of God and through Jesus Christ. You see, we have a set of rules to live by, yes, but they're for our good. They're for the goodness of, of us and the goodness of God's will and the goodness for his people. And it helps us to live in the freedom that he has blessed us with. But here's the problem. So many people, they don't want to look to God. They look to the world. They look to the mystical, as we talked about earlier. And they, in doing so, they look to sources which are flawed because they do not understand life, death, and this world as God does. Because listen to this, God created the world. God created everything in it. God created you, and he understands everything better than anything and anybody else could even imagine. We need to stop looking to the mystical or the worldly and look to Jesus. 
Do I need to say that again? I'm, I'm going to. We need to stop looking to the mystical, stop looking to the worldly, and look to Jesus. Jesus came to save the world, not to condemn the world. In his life, lessons, death, and resurrection, we find power to live, and we find because of the resurrection that we have hope. That's not number two. You should have already wrote that down. Just a bonus. Make sure you heard that. The greatest words to man are Christ is risen. Because it's because of this statement that we too have life with him. We too will rise. Many thought death was the end of Christ and his ministry. Look at that tomb scene we read earlier out of Luke or out of John or Mark or Matthew. They thought he was dead. His very closest disciples were acting like he was dead. Many thought that death was the end of Christ and his ministry. However, he rose from the dead. And as he promised, 40 days after his resurrection, he ascended into heaven, Acts 1.11. Listen closely here. Resurrection Sunday helps us to see that no matter how dark of days we may be in, no matter how troubling the times may be, even in times like these of illness and disease and pandemic and great trials and struggles, death will not be the end of the story. For today, we celebrate the risen Savior. Today, we celebrate Jesus, and Jesus has defeated death. And because he has, we can too. We can celebrate Jesus. We can celebrate death. We can celebrate that we too can rise. But it's not based off our own doing. It's based off his his works, not ours, the grace we receive, his victory, he has risen. This Easter, possibly more than any other you have experienced before, we have a great reminder that Easter is not about the Easter baskets. Easter is not about the candy. Easter is not about the programs. Easter is not about a bunny or Easter brunches or celebrations. Easter is and always will be about Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. And he continues on as he says, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Again, when John 11, 25 and 26, and here's statement number two, because of the resurrection, we no longer need to fear death. Because of the resurrection, we no longer need to fear death. Because of the resurrection, we can survive not just these days, but our forever days. Bonus. Because of the resurrection, we can survive not just these days, but our forever days. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells you, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Isn't that great, guys? Maybe you're thinking about your struggles. Maybe you're thinking about your illnesses. Maybe you're talking about your pains, your aches. You know, lately I've been telling my wife, man, my knee just hurts. I'm getting old. I think I need, I have arthritis. And maybe I just offended some of you because I'm half your age. I'm sorry. But I'm starting. Jesus is giving me just a little bit of understanding of where you're at. Maybe you got no pain. Praise Jesus. But I'm starting to notice some of those pains. And I thank Jesus that the old has passed away and the new will come. And that, that doesn't really mean in the physical sense. It means that we're, we have new life in him, eternal life in him. But it does give us something to look forward to in the end. 
that yes, someday we will be at our forever homes. And someday that day, we will have new bodies. Someday in that day, there will be no illnesses, no crying, no weeping. Amen. With salvation through Jesus and his resurrection comes a complete change in the outlook of our days. We have a new life which focuses not on the temporary dwelling, but an eternal one. Remember that because of the resurrection, we have new life and we can look forward to not just surviving these days, but our forever days. Next is because of the resurrection, we have a sustainer who will never be killed again, Romans 6, 9. And Jesus sustains our life in him. As God looks down upon us, he sees the blood of Jesus covering us in our sins. We are cleaned and washed white as snow. And not only does Jesus save us from our sins, but he keeps us from falling away from him. Truly, I tell you, truly, I say to you, if you have truly given your life to him, he will keep you. Number two, the next point, if you're getting confused between statements and points, we move from the person to the plan of Jesus. We move from the person saying, I am the resurrection of life to the plan where it says, he that believes in me. Notice that present tense again, we can have life today. He that believes in me will have life. He that believes in me. All of these because of the resurrection statements, all of the things that we talk about today are only if you believe in this plan, he that believes in me. Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life? Romans 8, 9, and 10. We are all sinners in need of a Savior, Jesus. We need Jesus. And if you believe in him, you will be following his ways. I, I truly believe if you truly believe in him, and, and I'm not saying you're not gonna fall. I'm not saying you're not gonna sin. You will. You're gonna have days where you struggle. You're gonna have weeks where maybe you don't live as you should, maybe years. But ultimately, you'll always come back to following his will. If you believe in him, there should be evidence for your faith. So do you look to Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you live according to his ways? Are you following him as a true follower and not just a fan? Do you practice his teachings? Or are you practicing the teachings of someone else, something else that goes against his teachings? We can practice our thinkings, our, our teachings of Jesus in many ways. And just name a few. We can and should practice by having faith. Though we can't see God, we must believe in him, Hebrews 11. And we can increase our faith and should increase our faith by worshiping him by his word. Always being in his word, studying his word and studying what he tells us to do with our life. Practice by being faithful. And the Bible warns us to be faithful, not just today, but with all of our days, even until death and after death. Revelations 2.10 reminds us that Christ rewards us with life forevermore with him. And see, one more three, three point um, after that, one more thing of how we can practice, not the official point three, but is practice by fellowship. We must have fellowship with the Lord as well as with one another. Even now, we have fellowship together in spirit and in truth. I know that Jesus is connecting us all together as the church. 1 John 1, 7 to 10 tells us, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 1 John 1, 7 to 10, 
we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Guys, friends, I am a sinner and you are too. And the sooner we get off that pedestal and we admit we're a sinner, the better because it drives us into realizing how much we need this savior. Number three, we move from Jesus the person, we move to Jesus the plan, we move to three, Jesus' life provides promise and power to ours. Jesus' life provides promise and power to ours. Or that statement, another statement, because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, we have a promise and a power to our lives. There's so many statements, so many things we can get out of this, this idea in these scriptures of Jesus being risen today. I, I encourage you to continue to ponder them. Don't just think of what I give you, but because of the resurrection, we have a promise and a power to our lives. John 11, 25, 26, again, continues to say, he will live, believe in me and he will live. Even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. What a promise, what a power to live by, knowing that we can have forever life with him, forever life. God's word shows us numerous other examples of those who submit to him and how those who submit to him have power and promise. One other thing, I'll just list one, is God's word shows us that we also have a happiness and a joy when we abide by his ways and live with him in our life. The resurrection brings power to your lives in many ways, but because of the resurrection, we have joy. Because of the resurrection, we have joy. Psalm 1611 tells us, you, may, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. My son and I often have this disagreement where growing up in elementary schools, I grew up thinking the biggest number was infinity. It just goes on and on and on and on as I think of this promise, these promises and the power that we have. And I say it's forevermore. That's like infinity. It goes on and on and on and on. But my son says there's a bigger number and I think it's a Googleplex. He's shaking his head yes. Googleplex, I don't know, Google, that number, apparently it's bigger than infinity. <laughs> God's power and promises to our life goes on forever and ever and ever and ever more. And part of that is a fullness of joy. But lastly, number four, because of the resurrection, we have a choice. John eleven twenty six says, do you believe this? Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has risen, risen indeed, and we too can rise today. We too can rise every day with the promise of knowing that if we believe in him, we will have life even in death. We need not fear death. 
because we know we will live forevermore. Because of the resurrection, we can celebrate and praise God forevermore with peace with him and no fear. That's a long one. You can just say, because of the resurrection, we can celebrate. We can celebrate and praise God. Maybe you have sang these words before. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Let me read some of these to you. I know I'm pushing my time limit, but it says, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. Are you singing? Whatever men may say, I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, I he always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Maybe I should have just read them to you. But what beautiful words to remind us that when he lives within us, we will have peace and we can celebrate. You know he's there and he changes your life. He changes your outlook on life. Listen to these scriptures for reinforcement here. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We will have a peaceful mind. Philippians 4, 7 tells us, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Through persecution as Christians, through great opposition, through trials and through struggles, we have his word. We have God. We have Jesus, the Savior, the risen King, the risen Savior, and we have his Holy Spirit within us to empower us. We know that he lives within our heart. And because of the resurrection, we can be confident in our Lord, Jesus' word being truth. When Christ is with us, we need not be afraid. We have a connection with God as a shepherd. And Psalm 23, 4 reminds us, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We often fail to look to that scripture because maybe we think, well, we're not dying right now. We're not at a funeral right now. And we only look at this when we're at a funeral, a celebration of life. And I tell you, at my funeral, I hope you're not celebrating my life. I hope you're celebrating the life of Christ. That thought comes from a great author. The, the name goes from my mind, but what a great thought. But, but here's the thing. We can take pleasure in that scripture of knowing that every day we do walk through the shadow of death, which is sin. But every day we have a shepherd who guides us along with light along that narrow path to the gate, which is life with him forevermore. Friends, as I wrap up, I want you to know that because of the resurrection, all of these things are possible for you. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Thank you. And friends, 
I say friends because you are my friends. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I love you in Jesus' name. If you know Jesus is Lord, you have a Savior. You have a shepherd. You have the King, and he has risen from the grave and is ruling over your life now, interceding to the Father on your behalf. Friends, we do have one final choice to make today. Will you do his will? He has risen. And because of the resurrection, we also should rise. We also rise today. We rise metaphorically and we do his work. We rise metaphorically and go to war against sin in your own life and others. We rise metaphorically and live as he calls you to live and we follow him. We make disciples We live in Christ, with Christ, we proclaim Christ. We love God more than anything and we love his people and we treat them how we want to be treated. But we also know that we will rise physically, just like Christ. We will rise physically. We will all rise with him to our forever home someday. Praise Jesus, he has risen. He has risen indeed. Will you celebrate with me now? In your homes, wherever you are, will you celebrate with me? Really? With your brothers and sisters in Christ, celebrate with me. I want to I speak one more scripture, and then I'm going to pray, and I want us to end with singing a song. Now, I've tried to, I've tried to alternate the songs between some hymns, some older songs, and some newer songs, and we are going to end with a new song that maybe you've never heard. I encourage you to celebrate with the words. Sing it if you like, or just think about the words and pray the words, or maybe you're just ultimately completely against this new music. That's all right. Just pray and meditate on the words that he has risen today. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this great hope that we have in Christ. We thank you that he is the resurrection and the life, and whosoever believeth in him, though he die, will live. Do you believe? Lord, we thank you for the choice you give us, but we pray that in all things you are exalted, you are glorified, and Lord, we pray that the, 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 the saints, us, the believers, the followers of Christ are always growing in our faith to you. And Lord, we pray for the lost to be found. Use us as you see fit, Lord. And I just pray for us to submit now. If there's somebody out there that is not living with you, has not submitted to you as Lord and Savior, or maybe they have and they've just struggled. Maybe they have, but they know they're not living as they should. I just ask today, might they make it the day that they recommit their lives to surrendering to you. And they just say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins and help me to live according to your ways to follow you. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, may that be an anthem for all of us that we trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And because he has rised, we will too. Amen. Let's sing this final song together and let's celebrate He Has Risen.